Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Do you like my sweater? I do like your sweater. You've worn it a couple of times, I feel like. I remember as such. I've worn and it. And I do like it. I don't think I've worn it on a recording day because I usually don't wear layers when we're recording because I end up shedding them like halfway through the, the longer episode anyway. Right. Because uh, it gets it gets warmer in this room, but... It's like, yeah, so we had that really gorgeous week of weather when we were on our vacation. It was amazing. Yeah. We came back here into like some like rain and I guess it was snowing back where we left. And I, I don't know, like it's, it's been, it's been spring and I keep forgetting that it's spring. Like I keep getting annoyed that I go to like, ah, it fucking feels like April out here. It's because <laughs> it is. Because it is April. Yeah. Uh-huh. Still very much so. But yeah, so I, I put this sweater on today, but it's it's perfect though, because it's like it's three quarter sleeve by design, which I love. And yeah. It's got a, kind of a looser collar, so I don't have to worry about like the collar like stretching and looking weird. It just like is meant to kind of sit wider. Ah, oh, it's nice. I love it. It's very soft too. Oh. Um so I've been been a little all over the place lately. Um so we we recently, you, know, I, you and I have talked about. I can't remember if we were talking on the show how uh, Ellen and I got caught up with the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, like right around the time the third season was dropping. And you had told me um, Book of Boba Fett is a like not a must watch, but like a probably should because it feels like a you know Mando season two point five and like yeah, generally some, considered as such has yeah. some overlap with the story and. <clears throat> Mind you, like I've said numerous times to you and to other people, I have no no fucking interest in watching a Boba Fett show at all when that was announced. Um, but like his storyline in Mandalorian was like, okay, okay, this is that's kind of interesting. And then Mandalorian was was sh- shockingly good uh, for for being part of the the franchise that I t- don't typically think of as like anything beyond mild entertainment. Um, so I'm like, all right, we'll give this a chance. And we, we started, we've watched the, the first three episodes so far and it's fun. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see this whole like dynamic play out of this guy taking over like the crime families, but like trying to do right by people. And I, he's like, he's gentle criminal. Uh-huh. Um, my hero academia people will recognize that, but, but he is, he's basically like, 
Like, listen, I'm still going to shoot you in the face. I am a criminal, but like, we're going to be cool about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a very, very gentlemanly, very, very civil, uh, but we'll get shit done when this. I love that he's, uh, he's, he's like befriended a ranker. Like that, mm-hmm. That's adorable. The whole, uh, the whole storyline with him and the, the Tuscans was, uh, was really needed. Like, they're definitely they're doing a good job of like filling in the the backstory for this character that like we all knew is like basically a bit player in Jedi who like you know or and and in Empire I guess um, who dies a very unceremonious death as so we think uh, and of course the in the intervening years when people are like bring back Boba Fett I'm like fucking how <laughs> right <laughs> but they they did it and they did it and I mean obviously he had to claw his way out. Like that was going to be a given, but like what happens to him afterwards? And uh, I was surprised at the direction that they have taken that in. Uh, I will say they're doing the one of the tropes in the series that I don't care for, and that's the repeat flashbacks. So like having flashbacks that tell the story and even like having flashbacks that kind of tell an asynchronous story alongside the main Totally fine with that. But when they keep, like, the intro the, that it's going to be a flashback sequence by having the, like, oh, it's Mustafar, it's rainy, oh, he's looking longingly out the window as Django flies away in Slave One, like, oh, like, that's, like, every episode so far. I'm like, okay, Robert, Robert, you don't need to do that every episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm not here to tell Robert Rodriguez how to do his job. Dude's done it enough to know what he's doing. But at the same time, Robert... Robert, listen to me. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you don't. You don't got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, as as is uh, often the case, uh, you know, we we started that, but have a, another series going is a little bit more like lighthearted, less requiring less attention for like the later night stuff like this. So we restarted Deep Space Nine because, of course, you know, Picard just oh, ended. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've really talked much about Picard season three on this show, but like for me, as a is a lifelong child of the the or like a lifelong fan of the franchise since childhood, um, season three in particular, like one and two of Picard, I thought were were really good, but season three felt like it was particularly healing to my inner child. I spent so much time this season. You know, laughing, cheering, just straight fucking sobbing, uh, <laughs> and you know there there were definitely directions that they took some of the characters in that I might not necessarily have uh, agreed with or chosen. But at the end of the season, I was absolutely thrilled with how it wrapped. Uh, you know, in the early rumors when everyone's like, "Oh, Star Trek Legacy, it's got to happen," I'm like, "But, but how? Like, what what story are they going to tell?" And then they just beautifully packaged a new enterprise story for us at the end and just like ah i love it i love it you know uh, season three now that it's been two weeks yes. you know we're we're out of spoiler zone yeah. but like i think uh you know everyone was kind of like oh seven of nine like seven of nine is the captain mm-hmm. fill the crew with i don't know people you know like it was just kind of like i don't know who but then when you get to the end you're like oh right the crew of the titan which contains a next two next generation like you know spawn uh you're like well yeah yeah like obviously this makes sense now yeah i mean like having you know, uh, again uh, 
apologies for anyone who has made it this far into this show uh, and has not yet uh, kept up with with Picard and intends to. We are spoiling some things here gently. Uh, there are things that the internet will spoil for you anyway. But I mean, Captain Seven of Nine with Rafi as first mate and Ensign's uh, Crusher and LaForge. Like, fuck, I am so here for every bit of that and right it's just like all of the other characters storylines wrapping up so perfectly in a way that feels like proper closure i rewatched all good things the other day and it was just it's like it was a magical ending to the show but then you had the subsequent movies in between that kind of left some of the storylines up in the air and picard has really been just going in and just tying up nice little bows on on some of those stories and it's really made me happy. Um, Deep Space Nine, in retrospect, though, the early episodes, it is, like all Star Trek shows, I think something that requires some time and energy to get momentum and get going. I think pretty much every series has started so, slow to some degree. Some pick up you know better than others. I think Strange New Worlds is probably the like biggest outlier there where it just right in and it's perfect uh yeah and, you know lower decks i think as well uh but most star trek series like they take a little while to build steam and things that i'm learning from the first several episodes uh re-watching deep space nine uh a cab and includes odo um <laughs> and uh okay all right early episode julian is a total creep uh and mm. i i i'm hope I'm remembering correctly that he gets his act together as his character becomes more complex and nuanced throughout the, the later uh, end of the show. Uh, but, you know, two and a half, I still see that tension in that first scene with Garrick every fucking time. Like, how, do, how does anyone not see that? It's so perfect. Uh, and three, the, uh, the trans allegory through Dax is... Stronger than I remember it being, it's very, very clumsy, uh, and the characters stumble all over it. But given that that was a topic that wasn't widely discussed and certainly not widely embraced in the late 90s, I'm actually pretty surprised at how well they handled. Uh, and like, I remember elements of that growing up, but more of the like, well, I'm just, I'm the same person. I'm, I'm your friend. Like, yes, I have this other personality from my previous host, but like, you know me, but like getting more into the like, yes, you knew me as a man. Now I am a woman. Let's move on with our lives. The, 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 right. the scene that you quote all the time with the, the Klingon Curzon, my old friend, Actually, it's Jadzia now. Jadzia, my old friend. friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love that. So, like, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I I will be watching that storyline with a, with a more critical eye uh, this time through. Uh, And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that. uh, Man, next level chef is getting intense. Got to got to drop the update yeah. for uh, next level chef. Yeah, I mean, we watched an episode uh, together while we were while we were off on our little uh, writers vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can see the appeal of it. I, I was never one for reality shows of any t- of any type. Sure, uh, they never really appealed to me. Um, but that one, I was kind of like, I could see. I, I like the the human cheering on the humans and seeing them succeed or fail is is exciting. That's you know? that's the thing. It's like most reality shows historically have been. All about like how can we drum up as much artificial drama and bullshit as possible? But I think more and more 
we're seeing shows that are like kind of inspired probably by like Bake Off and you know we had uh, shows like uh, I think Make It or Making It uh, that Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman did like shows like that that lean more into we want to see people succeed. We want to take people who are at the top of their game and give them an opportunity and encourage them and like really try to grow them. And like some of them, there's still a little bit of drama and like some of it, like you can tell when the contestants still feel like they're, they're either being coerced into it or they feel like they need to force a little bit of like, I'm the top dog here. But like, Comparing a lot of you know some of uh, some of these reality shows now to like you know we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago when Ellen and I tried to watch I think it was season ten of Hell's Kitchen and just what a fucking nightmare that was like not only was Gordon like abusive but like the contestants every single one of them were just completely toxic and gross to each other and it's like why and like now like yes there, there's a lot of yelling and like berating from gordon on that show and there is some cattiness but at the end of the day it is you know significantly more constructive and productive but then like you see a completely different side of uh, of gordon on shows like next level and that's what i love like there was a, a chef that uh got um let go from the competition recently that was was very young and you could see the whole time gordon was just like mentoring them like a father and was just so so kind and empathetic and i always love seeing that i love competition shows where not only do the contestants build one and up and support one another but the hosts and the judges are all trying to like really bring out the best in every single person that's in the show that to me like that's what a competition should be yeah, I think, you know, uh, it, it, back in the day, I remember watching um, America's Next Top Model, you know, with with like my wife and stuff like that. And, and you know, I remember us watching it and being like, I, like, I get it's a tough industry and they're trying to really like, you know, whip them into shape and stuff like that. But why are they so mean about right. it? Right. Like there was a thing where it was like, you're just downright mean. Like, it's not like tough love it was just mean mm -hmm. and i was like they're like well this you have to get used to it because this is the industry and it's like yeah but is it really and like if like it could be tough without that <laughs> even if that is the case like why are we not recognizing that and working to like to change it like here is a platform yeah. where we can say like yeah the industry's like this but we're not gonna be yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how it should be. You know, if you're in a bad industry, you know, like there's a lot of film sets that that oh, outright, you know, day one will be like, we're not going to be yelling. We're not flipping over things like no matter how hard it gets, like we're going to be cool. We're going to talk to each other like I'm not going to run one of those film sets where I'm the director yelling at everybody or the producers are in yelling at everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like and we did that with our set, too. We were very particular about that. Like we wanted to make sure that everybody felt welcome the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, nobody was flipping out and nobody did. We yeah. had no moments like that and it was great. It was, it was really yeah. great. Like that was, it, you know, my first experience on set was about as good as it could possibly go. This is true. Yeah. 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 I mean, severely underfunded, funded and rushed, uh, but it was, it was really good. <laughs> it was a good environment. It was, it was very good. Good taste for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, speaking of good uh, rising to different levels and stuff like that, I recently went and saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, shit. I've been hearing yeah. lots of stuff. 
so this movie is about is likely going to break uh, a, a billion dollars uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Damn. And the, the other thing about this is that it's the fastest growing or, or the largest opening of an animated series or an animated movie ever. <laughs> like, including Disney, it was the largest opening of any animated movie ever. Now, does that count? Which is wild. Does that count Avatar? Because I, I consider Avatar to be an animated movie. <laughs> I does not count Avatar, no. Uh, I don't think so, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, largest uh, opening, I mean, it's, it's you know, hovering somewhere around like $900 million right now. That's incredible. Um, and, you know, if we remember correctly from the Super Mario Brothers, you know, everyone was like, oh my god, this is super exciting. And they're like, who's playing Mario? And then they were like, Chris Pratt. And everyone went, Boom. okay, well, well, hold on a second. <laughs> that sounds terrible. You need to tell me why. And they were like, nope, we're doubling down. It's Chris Pratt, and you're just gonna have to like it. And I, you know, I went to this movie because my daughter really, really wanted to see this movie, mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna turn her down a movie because, like, I disagreed with a casting choice. Sure. Like, that is very petty of me and silly, and sure. that would just do her a disservice. So I was like, let's go see it. I was like, I like everybody. You know, Charlie Day as Luigi, great. Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, awesome. Jack Black as Bowser, flawless. You know, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. I'm like, the all the rest of the cast is great. You know, it looks really good. Like, it looks very, you know, on-brand to Mario. I was like, oh, we'll go see it. We'll see how it is. And like minute one, I was like, uh, fucking Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, but then they they do a thing where they explain why he has the accent he does and why he talks the way he does. And I was like, oh, this actually really makes sense. And I agreed with it. And then after they did it, I was like, I am in, I am on board with Chris Pratt as Mario, surprisingly. You know, he does have a little bit of an Italian accent, you know, so like he he still sounds like a plumber from Brooklyn, but he doesn't sound, you know, the it's a me Mario, the high pitched, you know, hey, uh, you do it, you know, <laughs> but he does it as like a thing. And then you're like, oh, I get it. So love that. So I was actually really into that. The movie is really funny. Okay. Um, it was super fun. Uh, had a really good time. There's a really great, like, uh, a nihilist character um, <laughs> that you see. And it was just amazing. Probably one of the, like, funniest things I've ever seen in an animated movie. Um, and, you know, obviously went over the kids' heads, you know, but, like, all the adults were like, this is hilarious. And I thought it was pretty good. Jack Black, absolutely great as bowser you know i i like that they they gave bowser a little more of a personality instead of just like bah, smash smash you know like he he has more of a, more depth to his character same thing with peach you know they gave her a little more than like rescue me mario mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm. she without it being like pandering you know it's like oh she's the tough cool female um you know like she had she kind of fit perfectly in the middle and i really liked that and you know charlie day as uh, luigi good wish we saw him more right. likely in the sequel it is guaranteed getting a sequel um you know likely in the sequel we'll get more of him insane amounts of old school nintendo references i mean like far right blurred out background corner of a window you're like hey that's a that's the thing you know like that's how many like easter eggs there were in this movie 
beyond belief. Like I'm talking way back to like the original Mario design, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how how Mario originally looked. Jump like Man. there's that. Yeah, Jumpman. There's there's Jumpman is literally in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a side character, or whatever. Who is played by uh, Christopher Martinet, who uh, is the original voice of Mario. Hey. He does the, the Jumpman voice, uh, which dokey. I think is really great. Sorry if I pronounce his name wrong. Um, I'm just trying to do it out of memory. Um, <laughs> a lot of great references. Seth uh, Seth Rogen as uh, Donkey Kong fit perfectly. Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, also good. Um, you know, really great. So, you know, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you need to go see it. It's, it's totally worth it. You know, if you were a holdout because of Chris Pratt, you got to trust me. It, it makes sense. It makes sense for this movie and it works. Um, so you just kind of got to go with it. You know, I mean, we can't objectively, you know, uh, uh, Chris Pratt is funny, right? We know that Chris Pratt can be funny from Parks and Rec to Gardens of the Galaxy, you know, to other things he's in. Chris yeah. Pratt can be funny. Yeah. We know this. And he is funny in this movie, you know, whether, again, whether we disagree with the casting choice or not, it uh, it totally worked. Uh, I was surprised. I count me as a, as a believer uh, who, when I was a very large skeptic, in fact, you can go back to my Twitter timeline and see many tweets about this, <laughs> um, where I was like, fuck this. Uh, when you saw so his face, you were a believer? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Without a trace, in fact. No doubt in my mind. Um, every old person got that joke. Anyway, <laughs> under like four, 30 is like, who the fuck are you talking about? Uh, well, I guess that's not true. If you saw Shrek, you nice. know what we're talking about. Like there's, yeah. there's an entire generation that is basically like holds up Shrek, like a, you know, like a, a demigod of some sort. I do not understand it. I do not like the Shrek movies. I, I didn't dislike them, but like, I, I don't think of them as like cinematic masterpieces. Like a lot of our younger contemporaries do. Yes, uh, I will agree. I, you know, Mike Myers is one of those people that like his jokes are insanely predictable mm-hmm. and his characters are grating in a lot of his movies. I like Mike Myers, but the thing is, is he's, he's like a Ben Stiller to me because everyone's like, Mike Myers, Shrek, Austin Powers. And I'm like, so I married an axe murderer, Wayne's World. What movies are you talking about? Those are terrible <laughs> movies compared to those other movies. Like, so I married an axe, an axe murderer is a, is a flawless movie. You know, like, that is the movie you should be quoting for Mike Myers. Like, Blow. You know, like, that is movies you should be quoting for Mike Myers. You know, same thing I am with Ben Stiller. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking, like, his old, you know, rom-com movies and not, like, you know, Zoolander or any I, of those movies. I gotta say, though, like, I... Like, I did not like Ben Stiller for a very, very long time. I still really don't, but I did fucking love Zoolander. And I don't know yeah. if it's because, like, I, I maybe, like, I, I watched it with a friend who was really into it and kind of fed off that energy or what. I don't remember the circumstances, but, like, I did enjoy that movie. And that was really weird for me because, like, I can't name you yeah. a single other thing that I've seen Ben Stiller in that I liked. Uh, I always forget that Alexander Skarsgård is in that movie. Mm. Um, he plays one of the models that has the gas fight. Yes. Uh, and I always forget that, that he, he was like that main character because every time I, you know, this is back then I would watch True Blood and then I was like, oh shit, he's in Zoolander <laughs> like as one of the models. And it's so funny to look back and be like, that guy, this hunk of a man was that guy. <laughs> Just because we're really, 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 really ridiculously good looking doesn't mean we can't not die in fake gasoline fight accidents. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, of course, uh, you know, I watched another movie just recently, uh, which is also getting a little bit of contention right now. Oh. Uh, there's a little bit of of critics warring, sort of. Um, but the movie Ghosted, which stars uh, Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. Oh yeah. And a slew of uh, Marvel cameos, which are literally cameos, but, not even like. Ah, like, is one guy in like cameo they literally on, cameo, yeah, right? On their phone, <laughs> not that kind of cameo, not on the phone. Uh, but they literally like drop in one after another, and it's just this really, really funny scenario. So here's the thing uh, about uh, Ghosted. That's on it's getting, Apple TV Plus, right? That's on okay. Apple TV Plus. Yep, correct. Uh, so it's getting a lot of like negative reviews, um, and I completely understand why. Uh, however. I think if you, you know, a lot of people, like most of the reviews I read are like, you know, uh, you know, the action is great, but then everything else is terrible. And I think, okay. And I'm like, yeah, because you went into it going, Chris Evans must be an action movie, Mm. you know, like, oh, it's Chris Evans and a spy. And, you know, there's, they're traveling all over the globe and explosions and stuff like that. It's an action movie. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. is not an action movie. Mm. It is through and through a romantic comedy. Mm. And I think if you look at it from that lens, you're more likely to like the movie. Now, a lot of complaints are that Chris Evans and Anna de Armas um, don't have chemistry, which I argue because I would say, like, this is another objective statement. They are probably two of the most beautiful people in the world, right? (laughs) They are both beautiful, like fucking beautiful people, uh, you know, top to bottom. And it's, it's just what, you know, when you see them together, you're just like, oh my God, make babies. Like, Jesus, (laughs) like this is perfect society level, like gorgeous here. Um, and it's, it's just crazy, you know? Uh, and and I understand why they say that The, the movie spends a lot of time, you know, not really a will they, won't they, but like a, oh, this is, enemies become lovers type thing, you know, to a degree. Um, And it's like, okay, I get it. But like Chris Evans plays a character, unlike any character he's played before, he is the damsel in distress in this movie. And I really liked that take on it. You know, he has his, you know, couple of action-y moments, but they're, you know, they're few and far between. It's really Anna de Arm. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything. This is in the trailer. He's interviewed about it. Like, you know, he his, his big interview scene is saying he he found it fun to play the damsel in distress. So I'm not spoiling anything. Um, but I liked it because that's, you know, again, that's one of those stories we don't see very often where it's kind of that gender flop of, you know, the girl rescuing the guy. It's normally the guy rescuing the girl. And even sometimes when it's the girl main character, the guy ends up rescuing her for mm-hmm, some reason. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in this, really. Yep. And uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I love rom-coms, though. And I like I felt it the whole way through. Uh, it it didn't hit me. Like I didn't tear up in any moments, you know, like, you know, even in the big ending of the movie, I'm not like, Oh, you know, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Like it was just a satisfying movie, Sure. but I wouldn't put it up. I wouldn't put it on the top of any other rom. Like it's not going to make a rom-com list by any means, you know? So I do understand the negative, uh, um, critic reviews of it. I don't understand the veracity of them though. I think you could be like, 
eh, it was an okay rom-com and the action was kind of cool. And that's kind of where you leave that review. Not like this was a bloated mess of a rom-com with zero emotional connection and chemistry between two main characters who should have had it really. I'm like, all right, well, calm down. It's not that bad. <laughs> like you're being a little dramatic wow. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But that's um, I, I do recommend that movie. It's good. So that leads me to wonder. The the trivia uh, for this film states that uh, Scarlett Johansson was orig- originally attached to it, and like we know, there's unquestionably on screen chemistry between Scarlett and Chris just from seeing them work together. Now I don't necessarily see, I, like I I could be wrong. I don't recall ever seeing them in like a remote uh, romantic pairing together, but just seeing them as uh, Cap and Natasha. Uh, you know, in the the, the yeah. in the end game, uh, and um, well, Captain America Infinity too, War, when they had I mean, that, yeah, the whole, yeah, like basically that whole Infinity Gauntlet saga of the Avengers, seeing those two on screen together, it worked really fucking well. Uh, so like, if she hadn't had conflicts and had to drop, like, I wonder how much differently people would be talking about this movie. You know what, though, I I actually kind of think it's better that she did. Because of all of the MCU cameos that happen, like, and like I said, they're literally back to back. They're mm-hmm. not like, oh, one guy in the middle and the other one towards the end. Like, it's like one happens and the other happens immediately after. And then the next one and the next one is just like three in a row. Um, I think it would distract from the movie because I feel like everyone would be like, it's it's Captain America. I think it would it would give the same sort of thing where people would be like, why isn't Captain America saving the day? I don't mm. understand. Hmm. You know, I feel like that may be the the thing because he doesn't save the day. He's not, that's not his character. Nice. Um, you know, so I, I wonder if it would take away from it. I think there's there's no like getting around the fact that some people are gonna have a shitty take if there's a guy who's not the hero. True. And that may also be the case as well. You know, like that may be the thing that's like, you know, maybe it's not purposeful. Maybe it's even like a subconscious misogyny or something mm-hmm. that is that is driving it. But yeah. um, it, it could very much be that. I mean, I'll be honest, you could remove Chris Evans from that movie entirely. And I still would have liked watching Anna de Armas just fuck shit up. That was that was a really good part of that movie is watching Anna de Armas just be dope. And yeah. I, you know, I've seen her in other movies and she's great in them. You know, so that was another one. Where I'm like, dude. I would just watch that because just show me that as the saying goes, get it. (laughs) I do get it. In this case, I do know what it is Uh and I have gotten it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so, so Super Mario Brothers, go see it. Ghosted. If you have Apple TV plus toss it on one night, Mm -hmm. you know, watch it with a, with a a loved one or someone you want to be a loved one. Um, It's cute enough. You'll get a, you'll get a little bit of action. There's some really funny moments in it as well. Um, you know, Chris Evans' character is is I thought I found him very lovable. Uh, Anna Darma's character, super badass. Love that. I mean, I just think it works, but I get I do understand. Put it on for a, a really nice night of Apple TV and wholesome cuddling. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you can make it to the end of the movie, you know what I mean. <laughs> Try to, uh, but I'll understand uh, if you don't. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> then you're out. 
Yeah, so hey, we got a brand new episode coming up this Sunday. It's the last one of our month, and uh, this one is a is a uh, wild German film. I don't know. Uh, it's only dubbed a uh, French film. It's, French it's film, only yeah. uh, it's only dubbed on Hulu. Uh, I wasn't able to find the French version. Yeah. I don't know if you were able to. I didn't even try. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there. It's only dubbed uh, in uh, in in English uh, on this one, but the movie is called Last Journey of Paul W. R. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little sci-fi flick streaming on Hulu in America as of time of recording this episode. Um, so if you were the type of person that watches movies before we review them, that's where it is. You can go and find it. Uh, this happened on my end. I don't know if it happened on your end, but uh, Hulu incorrectly lists the uh, runtime as 15 minutes. It is, in fact, an hour and a half long. See, so just as a heads up. I had checked IMDb first before I even put it on, so I knew that to expect it to be an hour and a half. So I never even noticed that. You pointed it out to me, and I had already watched it. So I was like, well, that's a fun, fun tidbit. Yeah, and there is, for some reason, a series page about supposedly a TV series uh, with the same name, but there's nothing inside of it. If you click it, it's just an empty box. Interesting. Um, Yeah, very interesting. That's a. I think that's another like Hulu glitch. Um, But yeah, so Paul, uh, the last last journey of Paul W R stars Jean Reno and a bunch of other French actors, um, and you can find it there on Hulu. So uh, hey, thanks a lot for watching or listening to this episode. In all in. Instances, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We have brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday, you know, where we're going to chat about stuff. Every Sunday is our movie reviews. Uh, what are we going to do next month? Who knows? We don't. We'll figure it out, though, and it'll be exciting because mm-hmm. it's May. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, yeah. So, hey, thanks a lot for joining us again, and we will see you Sunday. Mm.